like to share the message now. The Lord put this on my heart. Some time back, last weekend I was sharing, I mentioned the phrase, from sheep to shepherd. And it's really the title of this message, from sheep to shepherd. I was doing my Bible study some time back, going through the book of Ezekiel, wonderful, wonderful book of prophecy. And I was reading Ezekiel 34. That's where this message actually comes from. I'd like us just to go there quickly now to Ezekiel 34, but I'm going to pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. We pray that your word will bring life to us, that you would grant us the spirit of revelation, that we will grasp these thoughts in our spirit being, and that we'd be changed, Lord, by you, Holy Spirit, the teacher. Thank you, Lord. We come against any spirit of darkness that would try to frustrate this word in the ears and hearts, Lord, of all those within the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord that your word will go forth and achieve that for which it was purposed. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to read Ezekiel 34. Let's read from verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel, who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them, so they are scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill, yes. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. And then he goes on to say, I myself will become their shepherd. Now, you see, God was angry with the shepherds, which were the priests, etc., the priestly class in Israel, because they weren't doing their job. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. He had very, very harsh rebuke for them. And that's not the message today. The point is that when reading what the shepherds were not doing, I realized that that is a list of what God expects shepherds to do. All right? And very simply, the Lord just said to me that all of us as children of God, under this new dispensation, we are supposed to be moving. As a Christian, you and I are supposed to move. I'm sure if you've been to this church at least for a month, you'll know that. We teach that. We as Christians are not supposed to just stay in one place and think we're doing our Christian duty by pitching up maybe on the odd occasion to church and going through the motions. That is not it. Has everybody grasped that at least? Amen. But you see, we need to be moving. Now, 
Where do we move? How do we move? Many children of God don't move because nobody teaches them what they're supposed to do. Amen? They expect it just to sit and do nothing. Pay tithes, obviously, but just sit otherwise and do nothing. Let us, the priests, do the work. Well, you see, things have changed now because we are all a godly nation, a godly priesthood. When you and I were born again, we became a godly priesthood, the priesthood of all believers. Yes, there does come a time when we become confirmed in something, as it were, but there's a process, and I want us to be aware of that process. You and I, as children of God, are supposed to be moving. And the movement is very simply from, on the one hand, being a sheep, all right, to becoming a shepherd. Can you see that? From sheep to shepherd. And I want to just highlight the difference and show us it's not some great thing. You don't have to go to university. You don't have to get the theological degree to become a shepherd. In fact, can I just say something? Probably getting a theological degree is going to set you back. We have systems whereby a person goes through that whole process. They get the degree and all that, and they're sent out there, and you're supposed to be now a shepherd. A piece of paper and a bit of knowledge in your brain does not make you now a shepherd. Did you know that? Amen? Being a shepherd... Not to say there's anything wrong with getting information and knowledge there, please. I'm not against that. But we mustn't confuse that with what God expects. Amen? And I'm here to tell you that every single one of us here, by virtue of the fact that we're children of God, God looks at you and says, it's all right to be a sheep for a time. Amen? It's a process. We have to go through that. We have to be a sheep for a while. But you can't stay a sheep forever. <laughs> We have to move. Now, I know biologically it's impossible for a sheep to become a human being. I mean, we know that. We're talking spiritually. Amen? We're talking spiritually. And we need to contrast the difference between a sheep and a shepherd so you and I know what the goalpost is. Amen? We know what's expected of us. You see? You can't expect something of people if they don't know any better. You can't expect it of them. But if we know better, then there's a challenge, you see, out there. And it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your education, none of that is relevant. Your gender, it's got nothing to do with it. Everything has to do with the heart and understanding, you see. And there is a challenge for you and I to go through this process of being a sheep to start off with, but then developing, maturing to becoming a shepherd. What is the big difference? Well, the big difference, you see, is number one, the sheep only thinks about itself. Am I right? We had people in this church and they were living on the farm, their son-in-law's farm, and they had sheep, a few sheep. And it's quite an education to go and see these sheep, let me tell you, from a biblical perspective. One thing I learned about the sheep is that they don't care about anybody else. <laughs> all they're interested in is their next meal, all right? They do their business wherever, however, they couldn't care. And it's just a case of being nice and cozy at night and during the day finding some decent grub to eat. That's it. And then obviously later on reproducing, which comes naturally apparently. <laughs> now, the Bible says, are we like sheep that have gone astray? I mean... God speaks to the sheep of Israel and he says, don't be sheep and goats. And he's got some harsh words to say about them. But we're not talking about them. Right now we're talking about this movement from being sheep to becoming a shepherd. 
Now you see, a sheep only concerns himself, herself, about himself or herself. All right? And get out of the way anybody else who gets in my path, you see. Now you see, as Christians, we start off like that because that is the world system, is it not? Each man for himself. That is the world system. But for your information, we've been redeemed out of the world system, you see. And there's a process. Now, you see, to start off with, you think only about yourself, and that's fine, because that's the way we are, you understand? And God understands that. I mean, he has to be very patient with me. It took many years to get a lot of stuff out of me. But in that process, there was the process of making sure you start to eat the right food. That's all. Amen? Get the right food, get the right environment, and start to grow. Amen? But you see, the point is this, that, you can't stay like that your whole Christian walk, just worrying about ourselves. Sad to say, to a large extent, that is what has happened. And the shepherds have been to blame because they, to a large extent, have taught the sheep, just sit down, shut up. Just be sheep. I mean, leave it to the professionals. But it's not supposed to work that way. You see, we sheep are supposed to develop into shepherds. Now, you see, the thing about the shepherd that differentiates him from the sheep is the shepherd looks out for the sheep. Have you all got that? This is such a simple message. I love what Derek Prince says. I mean, this man was a great intellect, well-developed intellectually. He knew his Greek. He lectured Greek. I think he was a professor of Greek at Oxford University. If you're a lecturer or a professor of Greek in Oxford University, you know a thing or two. And Hebrew, he was a scholar of note. Scholar of note. And thank God for his scholarly knowledge. But he made a point of saying, when I preach and teach, my objective is to make it as simple as possible. As simple as possible. And this is such a simple message, you see. It's got to be simple. It's not that complicated. You don't have to have, as I said, a knowledge of Greek and Hebrew to understand this. But you see, God lays down here what he expects the shepherd to do. And as you go through these things, you'll realize something. You and I are quite capable of it. I mean, we are quite capable of it. We don't have to have a degree. We don't have to have any superior knowledge. The more knowledge we have, obviously, will help us. But it's not difficult. Has everybody got that? It's not difficult. All it requires is the right heart attitude, you see. And what is the right heart attitude? Well, it's no longer just about me. Have you got that? It's no longer just about me and my world. Just leave me to me and my world. That is not Christianity, but that's where we start. Now, what is God's complaint, his gripe with the shepherds? This is what they weren't doing, okay? Number one, they were failing to feed the flock. You see, they were using the flock to feed themselves, fleecing the flock. <laughs> and that's exactly what the Lord barged into with the temple, isn't it? All the temple money changes, blah, blah, blah. The thing had become a commercial enterprise. Right? They missed the point. Now, what does it take to feed the flock? Very simply, to share the word of God, because that's food. Am I right? Oh, but Graham, I haven't got any training in that. You don't need any. If you can get some training, all good and well. But every day, you and I need to be living the word in our own lives. Amen? And the little bit we know, that's what we share with others. Is that too difficult? Amen? God doesn't expect you to share something you don't know anything about. 
that if you and I have common sense to read and feed ourselves and learn how to feed ourselves, then we position to actually feed others. Does that make sense? Is this too difficult? You see, God doesn't expect you to give somebody a great theological treatise on salvation, blah, blah, blah. Just tell them you can be saved and this is how you do it. Amen? You see, it's very simple. They haven't fed the flock. That's number one. They weren't feeding the people. They weren't extracting them in the ways of righteousness. That's why when the Lord came and the people heard him preach, they said, he speaks with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. What were the scribes and the Pharisees doing? Regurgitating what they'd been trained to do, just say the old stuff, you see. Wasn't helping them. Wasn't helping the people with their life. So busy haranguing them for being sinful, but not helping them with their lives. That's feeding the flock. You and I can feed the flock. Did you know that? Who's the flock? Anybody you come across who needs help. And that's the heart of this thing. Okay, so number one, let's be people that A, feed ourselves, so we equip to feed others. Is that too difficult? No, no. You can do it. All right, we can do it. Number two, they didn't strengthen the weak. That's what the shepherd does. He strengthens the weak. What does it mean to strengthen the weak? Very simple, really. When you see somebody battling, you put your arm around them and say, let's work through this together. I mean, do something to help. Whatever comes to mind. Strengthening the weak. You see, when we see people battling, and they're battling all around us, don't say, oh, well, that's your problem, not mine. You know, leave me on my own. I've got enough trouble as it is. No, you see, the shepherd doesn't say that to his heart. What does the shepherd do? He says, listen, you're battling. Let me help you if I can. And helping somebody to strengthen them might simply mean just listening to their problems. Do you know that? Just having the time to show that you care. That's really all it takes. You don't have to have great knowledge. And if they have a problem that you can't deal with, well, find somebody you can and take them to them. Do you see? That's how you and I strengthen the weak. I always think of the Good Samaritan. Here he is, the man's got business dealings to get on with in Jerusalem. He hasn't got the time really, but yeah, he takes the time. What does he do with the man in trouble? How does he strengthen the weak? He takes him to the innkeeper and says, look after the man. I'll pay you when I get back. You understand? There's a lesson in that. You know, I might come across somebody who may be battling with an evil spirit. You don't know how to cast it out, although it's not too difficult, by the way. Well, get them to somebody you can. That's how you strengthen the weak. Does this make sense? You don't have to be some genius to help somebody. This is the whole point of this thing. But you see, the more you and I start to help people because we want to help them, we learn how to do it, you see. We will get that. You become a more efficient shepherd. What does it take to start off with? The right heart attitude. Not just so worried about our own problems. Amen? God will help us. The next thing they need to do is heal the sick. <laughs> How's that? Old Testament scripture. The shepherds of the day were supposed to heal the sick. That's why it makes more sense to understand why the Lord healed on the Sabbath, to show them. Go and show the priests. What was he saying to them? What did they understand? This is what you are supposed to be doing. That's why they couldn't bear it, because they were showing them up. How dare you heal on the Sabbath? They had a whole 40 years with a man's life to heal him. Did they do it then, be it on the Sabbath or otherwise? No, they didn't, you see. And now he does it on the Sabbath. Oh, it's a big issue. 
But this is the big issue. We're supposed to be healing the sick. Did you know that? Oh, but I haven't got a great healing ministry. Yes, you have. We have. Why? Because we've got Christ living inside of us, the great healer of them all. What does it take? You are sick. Let me just pray for you. Is that too difficult? Is that too difficult? Somebody sick. Can I just pray for you? You don't have to heal them. God will heal them, but we have to be the instrument, the shepherd. The shepherd wants people well. The shepherd is not happy to see people sick. And let me tell you, having gone through a bit of sickness for maybe the first time in my life, real sickness, I don't want anybody sick either. Amen? Can't stand it. If you've been through it, you know what it's like, and you just can't let it happen. And we're not supposed to let it happen. How does it start? All it takes is a bit of courage. Amen? Getting out of your comfort zone. Can I pray for you? It amazed me in the hospital, really. It amazed me. Because in hospital, everybody said, yes, I want you to pray for me. And I just thought, well, you know, you always ask for permission, obviously. And obviously, I come as a Christian, not making any bones about that. And so you come across people that are not Christian. And I'll never forget this. There was this case in intensive care. This kid had been involved in a terrible car accident. But they were obviously of uh, Muslim persuasion because there was the grandfather, found out later, sitting next to him, dressed in his Muslim garb. So I approached the bed and I think to myself, what do I do now? And the Lord said, you offer to pray. Doesn't matter, you offer to pray. God open-hearted to everybody. Amen? And that's how you're supposed to be. And I went to this Muslim man and I said, would you like me to pray for this child? I didn't know it was the grandchild, but I found out. Would you like me to pray? The man started to weep. How's that? The man started to weep. He said, I'll be so grateful. Amen? And prayed for him. Now, do I know what became of the child? Well, he wasn't there forever. But what I'm saying is your and my job is not to try and make it happen. We just pray and we get on with it. Amen? I can't tell you how many times I found out later. I prayed for them. And later on, people said they were healed. But at the time, I just prayed like I prayed for everybody else. Amen? We can all do the same thing. But you see, if you start to pray for people and suddenly they get healed, you say, my goodness me, wow, that's wonderful. You start doing it more and more. You and I get more bold in it. We have more faith in it. You understand? We become more developed in it. We're moving towards becoming, as it were, an official shepherd. But we're operating as a shepherd first. You see, the world system says before you can operate as a shepherd, we have to ordain you as a shepherd. Can you see that? That's the wrong way around. You start operating as a shepherd and then God says, right, I ordain you as a shepherd. You get it? You move into the office. But don't wait for the office and then you move into it. It's the other way around. That's why when we, Jan and I, were ordained here by Pastor Claw, he made the point. He said, we're ordaining them because what? They've been operating in this office for some time now. We're just recognizing it. That's all. Can you see that? In the hospital there, I didn't say, oh, Pastor Graham, no. But you know what happened eventually? They all started calling me Pastor Graham. You see? I didn't want the title, but they just did. I didn't go there and wear a dog collar and say, oh, you know, you're Pastor Graham. I just said, I'm Graham, I come to pray for you. Eventually, the office, in a sense, was conferred on me for that particular ward. Okay, so pray for the sick. Is that too difficult? Have you all got a pair of hands? Hmm? All you've got to say, listen, I see you struggling with flu. Can I pray for you? And they might look at you funny and they might tolerate you. But pray for them anyway. Just put your hand on them and say, Father God, heal this person. As simple as that. But the shepherds weren't doing it. 
We want to move into being shepherds. Amen. Let's move on. Bind up the broken. Bind up the broken. Do we have to explain this? You come across broken people every day. Broken people. Broken people. Do you know what it's like when you're broken? There's no way out. How do you bind up the broken person? You love them, you accept them, and you give them hope. Amen? I was dealing with a man the other day. And in his life, everything's fallen apart. Family, health, addictions, blah, 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 you name it. And I could say to him, as a child of God, not because of any great knowledge that I have, you understand, or great wisdom or great counseling expertise, got nothing to do with it. What I could say to him, and what every one of you and I are quite capable of saying to somebody, there's hope. Amen. God wants you well. God can help you. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that. I know without a shadow of a doubt, God is able to help anybody in any situation. No matter how broken they are, God wants to bind your wounds. And I want to help. Amen? That's how we do it. And then, how does it work from there? I don't know. <laughs> Amen? But let me tell you, with this business, you get going. And as you get going, God brings the stuff. Did you know that? He brings the knowledge and the wisdom you and I need. That's how it works. You might say, who am I? Well, you and I, on our own, are nothing. But we happen to have Almighty God inside of us. And let me tell you, when you and I get going, He gets going. It's not the other way around. I'm writing this big piece of music. I'll tell you what, it's almost like a symphony. It's almost like a symphony. And I started off with a simple melody that I played on the piano trying to write something to go with the Gospel of John. I started off with one melody, and I got going. That's the big thing. And what happened? God started to add. But you see, bind up the broken. Our society is characterized by broken people. Did you know that? I don't even have to say that. I can see everybody here knows what I'm talking about. And it's not necessarily the people that are down and out on the street. It's very often people in high-flying businesses and highly positioned people, academics, etc., you notice something about them. They're actually broken because the world system does that to people. Amen? So what is our job? Oh, shame, he's broken. <laughs> Not me. That's the sheep for you. I'm all right, Jack. Tough tacky for you. That's the sheep. What is the shepherd? The man's hurting. Brother, I know you're angry with me. I know you're angry with the world. But let me tell you something. God loves you. And he can help you. Hear me? You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Simple attitude like that can open doors that you know wouldn't believe possible. Amen. Is this making sense? We're all in this together. Did you know that? And if all of us start operating more and more as shepherds, guess what? God will bring the sheep. God will bring the sheep. Okay, let's move on. Bring back those driven away. <laughs> there's two. First of all, there's bringing back those who've been chased away. Church has chased a lot of people away. Did you know that? I'm guilty. 
But you see, we might have chased people away, but that's not the end of the story. Amen? What have we got to do? Try and help them back. Try and help them back to God. Not to church necessarily, although church is important, but help them back to God. Most of our duty is, let me tell you what it is, most of our job here is to try and get rid of the obstacles that are in people's way. Did you know that? People have been chased away because of misconceptions. And they've been chased by people who've already got misconceptions themselves. You understand? They've been chased away. Come across many people that have been chased away. Something happened. The church let them down. Well, church is made of people. People are human. It's going to happen. Amen? But you see, the point is this. How can we let something that got in the way stop us from eternal salvation? You get it? And your and my job is to try and help people overcome those difficulties, those negative attitudes, with the truth. The church might mess it up, but God loves you, and he loves the church, and he's got a plan. Amen? There's a way around it, is what we're trying to say. And it's no good just running away from God, blaming somebody else, because at the end of the day, it's not going to help you. Does that make sense? Now, just because somebody messed up in the past, do you have to make it your problem? Do we have to make it our problem? Good question, isn't it? Good question. I mean, there are horrible stories out there. People going to cell groups and eventually found out the cell leader is having an affair with the other ones. Well, horrible, horrific, terrible, terrible. There's no excuse for it. But what is inexcusable is we let that stop us from getting to God. I mean, we've seen terrible things as pastors. And we heard horrific stories from other pastors. But you know what? None of that is ever going to affect my relationship with God. Amen? Why should I let somebody else's mess mess up my life? It doesn't make sense, does it? But it's a good excuse. Oh, it's a fat excuse just to do our own thing. Let me tell you. Most people say, oh, the church did this to me. What they're really saying is, that's my big excuse for just living my own life. Got to bring those people back. You can't live your own life. Did you know that? You cannot do it. On your own, you're a sitting duck. It's a matter of time before the enemy will take you out. We've seen it. We've seen it time and again. People formulated a fat excuse to go off and do their own thing. Very shortly after that, calamity came their way. Not that we wished it on them. Dear God, no. Okay. The next one is to seek the lost. Very similar, but in a sense, it's not people that have been in and gone out. It's people that know nothing. Totally lost out there. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. We met one the other day. Poor young girl. Hmm. I said to Janet when we were coming back, associations of relatives of ours, I said, there's another lost soul. This girl knows nothing. We tried to explain what we did. She comes from an environment where it's Catholic and nothing else. You see? Can you try and explain to somebody from that background that you're a priest, but you're not a priest. <laughs> Very difficult. Very difficult. Completely lost. Completely lost. No concept at all of God, who God really is. 
And you can see it in the life. Because a life that's cut off from God is destined for what? Slow, steady destruction. Amen. And you can see it in a life. Amen. What is our job? Reach them. How do we reach them? I don't know. <laughs> God knows. And you're in the position, God will show you what to do. But what is the key? Obviously, love. Hmm? Just love them. Love them before anything else and let God tell you what to do from there on. Is this too difficult? But you see, what is the difference? The sheep couldn't give a hoot. They lost, oh, tough tacky. The shepherd does what? No, it does matter. It does matter. I'm not responsible for them in a sense, but I'm making myself responsible. Do you see that? The shepherd makes himself or herself responsible. Doesn't just write it off as saying, oh, well, that's the way it is. Tough tacky. Bye. No. My job. I'll do what I can. Amen? We'll do what we can. I feel that people are really hearing this. And then, if you read further on in that passage, number seven, our job is to protect. The shepherd protects. And you see, the thing about protection is this. It's dangerous business. Amen? That's why most people wouldn't be bothered. Amen? Spiritual protection. You see, when you and I come across people that are vulnerable in the world system, what is our job? If we can, as far as they will allow to protect. You see, we can see the devil's activity. They can't. They're just going into it completely ignorant. Our job is to protect. How do we protect? Well, sometimes we can try and warn people. It breaks my heart very often. I've tried to warn people. They've ignored it totally. Gone off to a destruction. But you see, it doesn't stop there. Protection, we can pray. We have got the power of prayer. We have got the power to involve ourselves with the spiritual world that people are ignorant of. And we can try as best we can to plead the precious blood of Yeshua over the situation. And in that way, protect people. Protect people. We need to, you see, try and protect those whom with we are associated. They do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they are opening themselves up to. But our job is to try as best we can to protect them. You see? Now, the sheep doesn't care. Oh, well, that's their problem. They're foolish enough to do that. Well, that's their problem. But the shepherd is different. The shepherd realizes, yes, they are foolish. They are ignorant. They are stupid. They are going to get what's going to come their way. But anyway, despite that, because God loves me and God protects me, I'm going to do my best to stop it. Amen? Do my best to stop it. That's the right heart attitude, you see. If you now have that attitude, let me tell you, and you raise up and become more of a shepherd and you have sheep, that becomes overwhelming concern. Protection. Protection. You see, protection prays. When the sheep are battling, protection prays. Goes out there and prays. And a lot of it is not even seen, not even observed, but that's not what this is about. This is not a publicity stunt, is it? This is not a publicity stunt. Being a shepherd is not a publicity stunt. You think of the shepherds that are looking after the sheep out there. Nobody even knows about them. 
By definition, shepherds take sheep to faraway pasture. Am I right? So there's no great glory about it at all. It's just hard work, sacrificial love, blood and guts. And you see, nobody notices, or so we think. But isn't it awesome to think that when God came to this earth, think about it. Yes, the kings were involved, those who were sensitive and looking out for God. Yes, they got involved. But who did God come and tell? Just think about it. Who did God send the angels, the seraphim and all the angels to come and inform of what God was doing? Out there in the pasture, the shepherds. The shepherds. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? What a thought. You see, at the end of the day, the chief shepherd rewards the shepherds. Amen. And every one of us, this is my point, every single one of us here is called to be a shepherd. What does it take? Oh, you know, like in the one church, they had an altar call for those who wanted to come into the ministry. They had a system. You did that, you came forward, they sent you to Bible school for two years, they sent you out to some remote place to become a shepherd. Many of these people failed. Many of them were devastated. But you see, that's not how it works. How does it work? It works by you and I realizing God's called us to be shepherds where we're at. Where we're at. And the people around us, because of God and His great mercy, has given them to us to be our sheep. Okay. Even if they don't even want to, they're not interested, that might be the case. You see, when we have the right attitude, the right heart, what happens? Slowly but surely. We sheep become shepherds and other people become sheep. And then our job is to train them to become shepherds. And in that way, we reach the entire world for Almighty God. Amen. Let's pray.